Christian, what do you do when you come face to face with your sin? What do you do when you come to worship God, either privately or corporately, or when you seek to serve God, and in those moments you are reminded of your sin, you're reminded of your continuing unfaithfulness to God? What do you do? Well, Zechariah 3 speaks to this. So turn with me this morning to Zechariah chapter 3. That's page 794 if you're using the Black Bibles. Zechariah chapter 3. Last week we began a series through this book of the Minor Prophets here, the book of Zechariah. And I'm calling the series, The God Who Restores. The God Who Restores. And again, just a quick reminder of the context we find ourselves in. By their idolatry and their other sins, Judah had broken covenant with the Lord and had reaped the curses of the Mosaic Covenant. Under the judgment of God, Babylon had conquered Jerusalem, destroyed the the temple and the city, and carried off many Jews in exile. Years later, according to God's sovereign word and, and by His grace, Cyrus, the king of Persia, declared that the Jews could return to Jerusalem and begin rebuilding the temple. But this rebuilding of the temple quickly met opposition and was abandoned. And so, though we have many Jews back in Jerusalem, they're still left living under foreign rule. They're still in a secular culture with no temple, no worship of God, no presence of God to bless them and set them apart. And so it's into that discouragement and into that complacent secularization that God sends his prophet Zechariah to speak to his people a message of hope and a message of restoration. And last week we saw from chapters 1 and 2 that the Lord promised to return to his people. That by God's gracious power, Jerusalem and the temple would be rebuilt and God's glorious presence would once again dwell among his people. But this raises an important question. Perhaps you could even call it a a quandary. How is that going to happen? In other words, how can that be? How can... The Lord, a holy God, return to and dwell among a people who remain defiled. How can a holy God come and be with a people who are unclean? The people are sinful. The people have broken covenant. So how can the Lord return and dwell among a sinful people? And the beautiful answer that we're going to see today from Zechariah 3 is that the Lord himself will graciously cleanse his people and the Lord himself will graciously clothe them in righteousness. What good news is this? And I pray you're encouraged today. The title of the sermon is Purified to Enjoy and Serve God. Purified to enjoy and serve God. God, through his promised Savior, will provide the cleansing and the righteousness that his people need in order to be with him and to serve him. Zechariah 3 is 
is the second of eight visions that the prophet Zechariah received from the Lord on a single night probably. So keep that in mind as we study this. This is a vision. And, you know, it's God's word. This happened. Today I want to work through Zechariah 3 under three headings if you're taking notes. The first heading is guilty and defiled condition. Guilty and defiled condition. Look with me at verse 1 of Zechariah 3. The prophet Zechariah says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. So Zechariah sees a vision of a man named Joshua, who was a real man. He was the high priest at this time for the people. And as high priest, Joshua was to be their mediator. He is the one who is to represent the people before God. But there's a huge problem. Look at verse 3. We'll come back to verse 2 in a second, but look at verse 3. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And that's even worse than it initially sounds. The word filthy here in verse 3 describes clothes literally that are covered in human waste. And besides being gross, the point is that Joshua is defiled. Joshua, the high priest, is ritually unclean and unfit for service in the temple. And this is a huge, huge problem. Joshua is supposed to represent the people before God. Joshua is the people's intermediary through whom their own defilement was to be removed on the Day of Atonement. (laughs) But Joshua's condition points to the fact that the people are still defiled before God, even though they've returned from exile. And the people are still defiled. Yes, they're back in Jerusalem, but they're still defiled. They're still wearing the sin and guilt of of all that led to to their exile, the broken covenants and, and so forth. And, and how are they ever going to be cleansed of that? How are the people going to be cleansed if the one who is supposed to bring them before God and represent them before God and be that intermediary, if he himself is defiled? That's the situation here. Joshua and the people are unclean. They are sinners. And this is the grounds for Satan's accusation. Notice verse 1 and verse 3 both say that Joshua is standing before the angel of the Lord. Remember, that's God himself. A manifestation of God himself. So the scene before us is a courtroom scene. It's like Joshua, the high priest, is on trial, standing before God Almighty as judge. And Satan is the prosecuting attorney. And he is ready to just go at Joshua. And, and again, as we think Joshua, we're thinking that stands for all the people. And he's the one who's to represent them before God. Satan is ready to make his case, man. He is ready to make his accusations against Joshua. And here's the thing. Satan's accusations would not be wrong. There is evidence to convict Joshua. There is evidence to convict the people. The people are guilty of breaking the covenant. Their fathers did commit idolatry. 
And yes, praise God, we saw last week that this current group of people have repented, but still they stand before God defiled. They still stand before God carrying this guilt and carrying this, this, uh, this shame, this uncleanness. The people, including the high priest, are in a guilty and defiled condition. Then we come to heading number two. Gracious cleansing and calling. A gracious cleansing and calling. Verse 1 said Satan was ready to accuse Joshua. But before he does, look at what happens in verse 2. And the Lord said to Satan... The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is, this, is not this a brand plucked from the fire? I just love this picture. Before Satan can make his accusation against Joshua, before Satan can present this evidence against Joshua, Satan is rebuked by the Lord himself. The silencing of Satan is emphatic in the original Hebrew here. Satan is emphatically told to sit down and shut up. (laughs) Whatever charges Satan was going to bring are silenced and ruled inadmissible in God's court. And we see God's sovereign power and purposes highlighted in verse 2. Notice three times in this one verse you have God's covenant name, all capital letters, right? Yahweh, plus God is called the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem. You see, it's emphasizing his his covenant, his sovereign grace, his sovereign faithful purposes for his people. Yes, Joshua and the people are defiled. Yes, they are guilty because of their sin. But they are God's chosen people. God is committed to them. God will protect them. God has a plan for them. And Satan will not thwart God's purposes for his people. Amen. Notice Joshua is described as a a brand plucked from the fire. (laughs) Can you picture that, right? The picture is a a stick that's been, been engulfed, it's been burning, but now it's pulled out of the fire. And so, yeah, this stick is charred. It's still kind of smoldering, but it's been brought out of the fire before it was was completely consumed. And that's a picture of what's the, the situation the people were in, right? Joshua and the people have been in the fire of God's judgment during the exile. But God in his mercy has brought that judgment to an end. Joshua and the people of God have been plucked from the fire. Praise God for his mercy. God is regathering his people in Jerusalem. And remember, we saw last time, he's promised to return to his people and to bless them and to live among them, which is amazing. But again, Joshua is charred. He's still unclean from that exile, from that sin. Remember, Joshua's in these filthy, nasty clothes. He and the people are defiled before the Lord. So what can be done? Verse 4. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, probably other angels that are there in the courtroom, remove the filthy garments from him. Praise God. The angel of the Lord, God himself, commands that Joshua's filthy garments be removed. And the Lord tells Joshua what this means in verse 4. 
And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. Joshua and the people had been carrying the sin and guilt that led to exile in the first place, but God is taking that away. After all the years of exile, exile after all the years of, of bearing that guilt and shame, Zechariah's readers could, could hear that God had forgiven them. Their filthy garments are gone. Their guilt is taken away. They're cleansed. And they're clothed with pure garments. I mean, this is exciting, right? And it's like Zechariah himself seeing this vision. It's like he's so excited that here in verse 5, he interjects and speaks into the vision, which is kind of cool. Verse 5, and I said, well, let them put a clean turban on his head. And I picture at this point God saying, yes, yes, settle down, Zechariah. I said in verse 4 that I'm, I'm going to clothe him with, with pure garments. Just hold your horses, okay? But again, that's just me having that view of God, God is a lot kinder than I am. So he's not saying that. Instead, it just says, verse 5 just says, so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. Joshua is given clean clothes and not just any clothes. A clean turban is put on his head. The high priest wore a turban. So not only is Joshua being forgiven, he is being reinstated. He's being equipped to be the high priest. He's forgiven. And not just to, forgiven to the point of not being destroyed. Not, not just forgiven and being kept at arm's length. No, Joshua is forgiven and equipped to serve the Lord. By God's grace. Joshua is forgiven and equipped to serve properly as high priest. Verse 5 concludes, And the angel of the Lord was standing by. He's observing all this, and now he speaks in verse 6. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured, don't you like that word, assured? Joshua. Thus, verse 7, Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. So Joshua has been cleansed, Joshua has been clothed, and now he's given a charge by the angel of the Lord. Again, if Joshua will walk in the ways of the Lord, if he'll obey the requirements of the covenant, then he can continue to carry out the responsibilities of the high priest, which would be administering God's justice and accessing God's presence on the Day of Atonement in order to represent the people before God. The honor of serving as high priest, and notice, is conditional on Joshua's covenant faithfulness. So we're kind of, you know, back where we started with the Mosaic Covenant. So this is a beautiful picture of God's forgiveness, isn't it? But if we were to stop here in verse 7, if you're like me, I think you'd have a couple of questions and concerns even. For one, you might be saying, well, how is God able to forgive Joshua and the people like this? For two... And maybe an even greater concern, how can Joshua and the people stay pure before the Lord? Right? Verse 7 says, if Joshua will keep the charge and walk in the ways of the Lord, you know, he can do all this. But the problem is the people haven't been able to do that. They can't do that. 
We'd like to think they've learned their lesson from the exile, but Israel's history shows that left to themselves, they're going to eventually fall back into idolatry and rebellion. And so what can break this terrible cycle? Who will rescue God's people from themselves? That leads to our third and final heading this morning. Promised Savior bringing permanent cleansing. Promised Savior bringing permanent cleansing. Look at verse 8. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, probably his fellow priests, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant, the branch, capital B. Jesus. As jo- what it's saying is as Joshua and the other priests serve in this soon-to-be-rebuilt temple, they are going to function as a sign that God will bring a perfect high priest. In verse 9, this perfect high priest is called my servant, the branch. This is Jesus, the promised Messiah who would come and bring perfect, permanent cleansing through his life, death, and resurrection. You need to notice when you see words like branch, and it helps that they capitalize it for us, right? Branch or shoot. Those are names in the Old Testament, in the prophets, that refer to the promised Messiah. And let me share with you the picture behind that, because it's, it's kind of cool. The, the picture behind those names is this. Back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God promised King David, matter of fact, he made a covenant with him, uh, that David, uh, he promised David an ongoing royal dynasty, right? And specifically, he promised that one of his sons would be the Messiah who would rule forever in righteousness. That's the covenant he made with David. Well, David's sons did rule as kings of Judah for several generations. Of course, none of them were the Messiah, not even close. So God's people were waiting for this promised son of David who would come, who would bring uh, salvation, who would reign with justice. But then came God's judgment of the exile. And it looked like all hope was lost. (laughs) Because guess what happened in the exile? There is no king of Judah. There is no son of David on the throne. Yeah, there's some puppet kings for a little while, but ultimately not even them. Judah is being ruled by Babylon. And then Judah is being ruled by Persia. So during this time of exile, the line of David, this mighty family tree of of kings, it had been cut down to a stump. It looked like it was done. But God's promise of a Messiah was not dead. Although it looked hopeless, God's purposes were still being carried out. David's family tree of kings was not dead. The prophets declared that out of this stump would come a shoot. You've seen that, haven't you, Joe? A little shoot that comes out of a stump, right? The promised son of David would rescue his people 
and rule in righteousness. God's promises were still intact. His purposes were still moving forward. I'll share a parallel passage with you. There's one in Jeremiah 23 as well, but let me share with you Isaiah 11.1. 1. Speaking of the Messiah, right? 700 some years before Jesus came. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesse was David's father, right? And a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. That's talking about the Messiah. And my point is, see, he's referred to as a little shoot coming from the stump of the tree. And here in Zechariah 3.8, we see this same promise that the Lord is going to bring his servant, the Messiah, who will reign with justice and establish salvation for his people. And so what he's saying is, yes, Joshua and them have been cleansed, that's great, But as they, as Joshua, as fellow priests, as they go about their priestly service, they, like all the Old Testament priests, are a sign. They're they're a sign pointing ahead to the perfect sacrifice. Pointing ahead to the perfect, faithful, sinless high priest. They're pointing ahead to this future Davidic king, the Messiah. Verse 9, still talking about Joshua. For behold, on the stone that I've set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. So verse 9 describes an engraved stone that was part of Joshua, the high priest's clothing. And this was a gemstone with seven facets, right? It's probably what it means. You see the footnote there. Uh, It was fastened to the turban and engraved with an inscription. And this is kind of similar. If you look back at the very first high priest, Aaron, his turban had had, uh, an ornament that was engraved with the words, Holy to the Lord, which enabled, I mean, all this is symbolic, right? It enables Aaron to bear the iniquity of the people before the Lord. So very similar what this is, what's happening here. The stone set before Joshua is inscribed by God, and it functions as a reminder of God's promise to notice What verse 9 says, remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. A single day. Well, that would have, removing iniquity in a single day would have brought to their mind the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16, right? This annual, uh, what would you call it, celebration, festival, sacrifice. Uh, where the high priest went in, right, and, and, and offered sacrifices for himself, sacrifices for the people. It was kind of like this yearly cleansing f- for the people, atoning temporarily for their sins, but again, pointing forward to the, the perfect atonement that was coming. And so here in Zechariah 3, this removing iniquity in a single day is once again associated with the coming of the promised Messiah, the branch from David's tree. And unlike the Day of Atonement that had to be repeated every year, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, 
would come and offer the perfect sacrifice of himself on the cross once and for all. By his death, by Christ's death, that day on the Roman cross, all who turn to Jesus in repentance and faith have their sins removed forever. What a day that was. The day that our sins were paid for. And of course, what a day it was three days later, right? When Jesus rose from the dead, showing that his payment was accepted by a holy God. God the Father. So I'm going to say that one more time because it will lead us into verse 10. By his death, that day, on that Roman cross, all who turn to Jesus in repentance and faith have their sins removed forever. And looking ahead to the coming of the Messiah, verse 10 then says, In that day, a phrase we'll see often in Zechariah, In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. To come under your vine and fig tree, that conveyed an image of peace and prosperity. And this is what the Messiah would bring when he comes and establishes his kingdom. Peace with God, peace with fellow men, riches of every spiritual blessing in Christ. Blessings we enjoy now and will one day experience even more fully when Christ returns. And we're in that completed physical kingdom of God. So in, in, in some here, this vision in chapter 3 was an encouraging picture to Zechariah and his hearers that God would cleanse them from their sins and once again dwell in their midst. By God's grace and power, the temple will be rebuilt and Joshua, along with his fellow priests, will once again minister in the temple, bringing the people to God under the old covenant. But the really good news is that Joshua's cleansing and priestly ministry points to the promised coming of David's son and David's Lord, Jesus the Messiah. And so now we, in the 21st century, can know and rejoice that Jesus, our great high priest, did come. He willingly lived and died in our place to pay for our sins and to satisfy God's wrath that we deserved Jesus rose again in victory over sin and death, and he is seated now in a glorified body, truly God, truly man, seated now at the Father's right hand, continuing to intercede for us as our great high priest. So Christian today, know that you are forgiven and reconciled to God. You are forgiven and reconciled to God. God in his amazing grace has cleansed you and declared you righteous. God has cleansed you by the blood of Christ. He has clothed you with the righteousness of Christ. You've been adopted by God and declared righteous in heaven's court. The only court that matters ultimately. Satan the accuser cannot bring any charge to God against those who are in Christ Jesus. Satan still accuses us, but as that beautiful song says, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, 
Upward I look and see him there, the one who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my guilty soul is counted free. For God the just was satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Praise God. Praise the Lord. What peace and blessed assurance is ours who are in Christ. And so I close by by asking, friend, do you know that peace? Do you know that you are forgiven? Do you know that assurance? Do you have that assurance that you will be with God in heaven forever? You can know for sure. You can know for sure by admitting that you have sinned against God, your creator, and then turning from your sin of of rebelliously living for yourself Turning from that and turning to Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And this means to trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation and submit to Him as Lord of your life. Do you have that peace of knowing that you are forgiven? Do you have that assurance of knowing that you will be with God forever? You can through Jesus Christ. Jesus will cleanse you of all your sins. Jesus will clothe you with his perfect righteousness, his perfection. The perfection that you need in order to be with God forever. Jesus will make you right with God. So come to Jesus today. Let's pray. Father, we once again stand in awe of your grace. And we stand in awe of, of your plan and of, and of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you that he is our great high priest. That he entered not a man-made sanctuary, but he in, entered the very throne room of God, the very heavenly sanctuary. Not needing to offer sacrifices for himself because he is sinless but offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And we praise you that unlike the priests of the Old Testament who, had to, who were daily having to offer sacrifices and, and the high priest every year doing the Day of Atonement and always scurrying around that Jesus sat down. He offered one sacrifice once and for all. And that his perfect and beautiful sacrifice is more than enough to pay for, all the, for the sins of all who believe. We thank you that we can enjoy a permanent cleansing. And yes, our, our hearts are still prone to wander and we still uh, fall into sin regularly. But we thank you that when we do, we can be reminded that we are in Christ and that we are forgiven. And that we can confess our sins knowing that we're forgiven and knowing that our righteousness is an alien righteousness. It's a righteousness that comes from another, comes from Jesus Christ. Thank you for that peace. Thank you for that assurance. And I pray for any here today 
who don't know that peace, Lord. Maybe it's a young person that has grown up in this church. Maybe it's a spouse that doesn't share the faith of their, of their other spouse here. Oh, Father, please, by your, by your regenerating work, may you shine the, the light of the glory of the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ into their hearts, even this morning. Show them that the, uh, without Christ, they stand defiled before God. Show them that they don't want to stand before you one day in their own works, for that will fall so far short. Show them their sin and then show them the sa- their Savior, Christ the Lord. In his name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and sing another song of praise to our Lord and Savior.